Welcome to Brain Wellness, the podcast. I'm your host, Mandy MP. Each episode will bring you a new topic or interview related to brain health and wellness as part of my mission to help you on the path to a healthier, happier brain. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Brain Wellness, the podcast. My guest today is Michelle Agapsiewicz from Illuminated Path Counseling. Uh, Michelle has a master's in social work, a bachelor's in disability studies, and is a Reiki master. Michelle offers counseling and education opportunities from a holistic, trauma-informed perspective. She aims to create wellness and balance through the integration of traditional counseling and mindfulness techniques. This approach has developed through her own journey of having an, an autoimmune condition, trauma, and anxiety. She offers practices and discussions that can guide us to live a more fulfilled and authentic experience with self-compassion. She believes strongly that trauma is a universal human experience that affects the body, mind, and spirit. She believes that the that addressing our suffering leads to a journey that is beautiful, yet painful, and ultimately reconstructs our fundamental meaning of compassion, humanity, and our place in the world. And I fully agree. Welcome, Michelle, to the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Mandy. Yeah. Um, so my first question is always uh, kind of what's your story? And we kind of alluded to it a little bit in, in the intro there. Um, but why does brain health interest you? Yeah, I think it, it interests me in so many ways because we're entering this fascinating place in history where we're looking at it from a more holistic perspective. So I think, you know, even 10 years ago, we were really looking at all of these siloed off elements of health. We looked at the brain, we looked at the body, we looked at mental health, and we looked at them all as separately. Mm-hmm. And I think we're this, in this hugely exciting place where suddenly we have brain explanations as to what's happening behind behavior, behind what's happening in terms of like health issues. We're just starting to understand the impact that trauma has on all of those elements and how they play together. So in my mind, we're just looking at more holistic perspective of health than we ever have. Yeah, absolutely. I think we are in in a place in society now where people are admitting to the traumas that they've been through. And that's admitting it as the first step in healing. Cause if you, if you're constantly trying to hide it, you can't heal from it. Yeah. And I think we're looking at a broader definition, which is so interesting too, because I yeah. think, you know, when we talk about trauma, a lot of people say, um, well, I don't have any trauma because they're yeah. thinking PTSD, they're thinking yeah. post-traumatic. So they're thinking, yeah. you know, living through natural disasters, um, abuse, neglect, some of the worst things we can think in humanity. And for sure it includes those, yeah. but it also includes having an ill parent, having addictions in the family, um, going through a divorce for some people, yeah. grief and loss in lots of different ways, illnesses. And so every single one of us, if you truly think about it, have something in our lives that overwhelmed our ability to cope and we weren't sure how to move through it. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, that's the definition of trauma. Mm-hmm. And why the brain gets so fascinating in this, because as we get into these amazing feedback loops, the brain is such a brilliant organ. Mm -hmm. It wants to short circuit things for us if it can. It wants you to look at a pen and know what a pen and not have to learn what a pen is every single time you pick it up. Right. Unfortunately, it does that also for uncomfortable situations. So it sends the signal saying, oh, last time we felt like this we were in danger and it hurt in this way. And this is how the brain and the heart and the, and the gut also get into this feedback loop because the brain is saying we've 
we've felt in danger like this before, it sends a signal to the body. The body says, yeah, we're going into mode. So, you know, we get upset stomachs, we get heart rate, our body gets tight. And then that sends the feedback to the brain again. And so it creates these little file folders of trauma that sort of get stuck for us at times because we don't always need to be reacting Mm -hmm. like we're traumatized. And yet the brain is really trying to protect us. And so the reason why I like talking about trauma within the brain as well is just destigmatizing it. Yeah. To me, it creates hope to sort of say, okay, so every human's brain is wired to some degree in the same way for danger. Mm-hmm. Our nervous systems are wired in the same way for danger. Mm-hmm. And we might all react differently, but I think it takes this idea out that we're to blame for not coping well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I had a guest on a while back that we talked about big T and little T traumas. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think the, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, the the big T, like the, the things that cause PTSD that we normally think of, are the ones that people generally think about when they hear the word trauma. And they don't think about those little things that can happen on a day-to-day basis that do get filed slightly incorrectly in our brain. Yeah. And then it doesn't take into consideration, you know, three people can experience the same big T trauma and some people will get PTSD and some people won't. I think this is the mystery of the brain. We still don't scientifically know (laughs) Right. Why some people encoded in one way and some people encode in another. Yeah. And then other, some other, you could take three other people who experience a small T trauma and it completely overwhelms the system. And so it's so, it's so universal and yet it's so unique at the same time. Yeah. It's like normally complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, it's so true though, because it's, um, I, had, I've had a therapist on the show. We talked about, about trauma and we talked about whether or not the magnitude of the trauma that you experienced can uh, relate result in the magnitude of the response. And it really has no effect. Like you just said. Yeah. Yeah. So. And it really is like how we're individually wired. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, for myself, I'm definitely would put myself in the category of like a highly sensitive person or an empath. Yeah. And so yeah. I absorb things of my own and other people's that mm-hmm. lots of other people seem to be able to just brush off their back. Yeah. And so that's when we get into strategies to really look at your own wiring. Are you somebody who's wired to be quite sensitive or are you wired to be someone who's quite stoic and, and things sort of just roll off your back. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I'm learning, I'm learning that I'm one of those highly sensitive persons as well. Yeah. So it's a very different response. I think, uh, than when you see people around you that don't respond the same way Mm -hmm. and it's, it's eye opening when you realize what kind of wiring you are meant for, uh, Mm -hmm. what kind of wiring you have and then what you're working with. Because uh, it's it makes a big impact on on how you respond to any little situation that comes up. Yeah, and I think it can once we examine it a little bit, it stops us from comparing to everyone else as well. Yeah, well, maybe not stop. Yeah. We all do it to some degree, <laughs> but at least we can we can be aware of when yes. we're comparing our reaction to other people's reactions because I think we get that internalized shame then. Yes. Which then also overwhelms the nervous system, overwhelms the brain, right? We start to feel like we've got too much energy happening in the brain. And I think societally, this is tricky because we're actually really taught to go through a thinking mind, strategies, problem solving, really to live in this academic, competent brain. 
Yeah. Versus integrating it more holistically, the brain and the body and how do they have a relationship together? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, in traditional medicine, I see it all the time. People come in and they've got physical ailments because of their mental disturbances that they have. So mm-hmm. if they're internalizing things, if they, they're dealing with trauma, they will manifest as physical problems that we, we try to diagnose and all of the diagnostic testing comes back normal. And then they get told mm-hmm. it's in their head. And then they, mm-hmm. then I see them and they're distraught. And I say, well, yes, it is in your head because your brain is inside of your skull. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's, it literally is in there. Uh, now we need to work on how to, how to work on those next steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's, what's exciting right now is that we're actually looking at what is the cause of this versus what's wrong with you. And this is why I like having conversations about trauma as well. Like trauma isn't necessarily what happens to us. Mm -hmm. It's about what happens next. And then it's also about how we show, how it shows up in the body. Yeah. So that leads me to my next question. Then how does it show up in the body? How do you, how do you see trauma showing up in different people? Oh, I think like there, we've got the classic ones. It it shows up as like high blood pressure. It shows up as tons of gut issues. So leaky gut syndrome, almost always trauma related in some way. Um, fibromyalgia, chronic pain are hugely related to trauma mm-hmm. as well as the other side of it where the people say, well, I've had a sore, I've had a sore hip for, you know, 10 months, but I'm just powering through. Yeah. Right. Because we don't get taught to listen, to listen to our bodies or see where that constriction happens. Right. Um, migraines, um, jaw clenching, things like this, right. Mm -hmm. Hugely related to trauma in the body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I see that a lot too. And I do a lot of questioning on people. Um, there still is that stigma. I know we're working against it and, and it's becoming definitely something that people talk about more but certainly can happen even more than we already do. Yeah. 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 And not to make blanket statements either. So like when I was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition, I knew instantly it was about my trauma Yeah, and that they were not going to be able to find a drug (laughs) that was going to do that, which they didn't. It was like nothing actually until I did the internal work. Yeah. So I went to therapy. I went to acupuncture. I went to naturopaths. I did everything else because we couldn't find any medication that would touch. And it was like, I was in a category, but it wasn't really in it. It was like, we yeah. can't really call it lupus and we can't really call it RA and we don't really know what it is, but we know something is happening. And so I think it's also about like, you know, for sure the autoimmune conditions for a lot of people yeah. are related to trauma. Not everybody for sure. Like, I don't want to make blanket statements, but there's a lot of autoimmune conditions that are related to trauma. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think mine was, was very similar. I denied for a long time that it was trauma related. I'm like, no, there's gotta be something else. What, what else can we do? And spent a lot of money on medical tests to try to, to come up with an answer, which in the end I finally conceded. I'm like, okay, it's my stress. Thank you. Um, lead me to my therapist, please. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a real thing and our bodies do respond to it. And it's not, uh, it's not just something that people are doing to try to get attention after trauma. It is a real response where the body kind of goes haywire. Yeah. Well, and sometimes we can't connect it because we're wondering, well, why at 40 am I having thing? Not, not thinking back to, oh, the origin of this is when I was three. Yeah. 
And then another kind of trigger for it got turned on at 10. And then another trigger got turned on at 25, right? You know, it's a cumulative process as well. So Mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard to really get to the origin Mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where our mind maybe doesn't work for us all the time because it's (laughs) so, the brain is so hardwired to come up with solutions that I think we can also stress and traumatize ourselves in this constant scanning for the answer. Right. Like I know I've had times in my life where I just have so much mental energy. I cannot turn it off yeah. because, and I'm, I've come to this place now where I try to have a conversation with my brain <laughs> uh-huh. about like, thank you. Thank you for trying to do what you're meant to be doing right now. I know you're trying to find a solution to this thing that doesn't have a solution right now, but thank you for trying. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably good to acknowledge that, that point as well. Um, so speaking along that line, so coming through the other side of things and doing that internal work, what are some of the things that you do now to keep yourself in this good place? Yeah. Well, I also don't want anyone to have the illusion that healing is an end point either. So I think healing is something that we are always working on. And I, but I do think I'm at the point now when I come to another layer of healing Mm -hmm. that I'm actually like, okay, here we go. We're going to understand something about this Mm -hmm. a little bit deeper versus like, oh God, I can't go through another crisis. Yeah. So I would say that, you know, I was always into meditation, yoga, also these sorts of things, but I always did it as sort of a I never really thought of it as a mental health practice, Mm -hmm. probably in my twenties into my like mid thirties. Now it's like absolutely essential for me. So I meditate and do Reiki every single day. Mm -hmm. I do lots of grounding techniques because as a highly sensitive person, I get ungrounded really quickly and really easily. I think the difference is now that I recognize when I'm not. So really sometimes I'll even just tap under my collarbones just to stimulate that vagus nerve. Sure. And I'll just say my name. I am Michelle and only Michelle. And I call all my energy back. It's safe to be grounded in my body right now. And I'll just kind of say that three times just to get myself grounded back into my body because I love meditation. And some days I'm also (laughs) just making my grocery list and doing all those sorts of other things. (laughs) I found um, EFT tapping was so helpful for me in my journey. And then I ended up getting trained in it. And I find it's just such a nice go-to that really incorporates Mm -hmm. like the meridians of the body, the thoughts that we're telling ourselves as well as where it's located in the body. And I find it really works when I'm stressed and can't get my brain to turn off Mm -hmm. because I actually have a task to do. So it keeps my brain busy enough to do the processing work that I need to do. I'm also a huge proponent of eye movement desensitization reprogramming. So I'm trained in that and do lots of that kind of counseling. So this is counseling where we're thinking about the beliefs that we have, where it's stored in the body, and then using eye movements to move that trauma versus having to tell the story over and over and over again. Because what we know about trauma too is that sometimes the therapy and the things that we do can be re-traumatizing. Yeah. Yep, so we have to be really ready to go into those spaces too. And and sometimes I think I like things like tapping just as a gentler mm-hmm. entry into looking at some of those hard things. Mm-hmm. So I know a little about Reiki. Can you do Reiki, Reiki on yourself? 
Yes, you can do Reiki on yourself. You can do Reiki on other people. You can do Reiki by distance. Um, So it's a Japanese healing technique that really looks at funneling like the chi from the universe. And so I see it as like a radio signal. You tune into that radio signal and then you send the radio signal where you want it to go kind of thing. Right. And so I've ended up incorporating Reiki into my mindfulness practice. So I really will set the stage and the intention to do Reiki when I'm doing mindful walking or mindful eating, or when I'm sitting down in meditation, that's kind of how I open space within that. Yeah. And it's a pretty common thing in like pretty much anyone's community. You can definitely find a Reiki teacher. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And it just, it was probably, it was probably the turning point for me really in the midst of the autoimmune stuff Mm -hmm. where I was having panic attacks all the time. Mm -hmm. The Reiki was the thing that I think truly got me into a more permanent balance. Whereas prior to then I'd done therapy, I'd done CBT, I'd gone to different things this was probably the most lasting change because I think I actually then understood what it was to be grounded. Sure. And I think I understood it as a concept in my mind before, but had never actually had the experience of being grounded. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very interesting concept. Very cool. Um, That said, are there like one or two things that you would recommend that people can try now on their own? things that you've tried that maybe work really well. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that some of that vagus nerve stimulation stuff is some of the quickest, easiest things you can do. So like tapping underneath your collarbone or sort of putting your right hand over your eyebrow and then putting it over your ear, down your neck and off your arm, and then taking your left hand over your right eyebrow, over the right ear, down the right arm, and then mm-hmm. off your fingers. Some of these things can really stimulate the vagus nerve, which gets the nervous system to calm down. And if the nervous system is calmed down, then the brain can calm down a little bit. Yeah. Right. The whole fight or flight thing, right? Yeah. 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 Shutting that off. Awesome. I sometimes do like, um, like shaking and things too, where I'll like lift my heels and then put my heels back down really firmly onto the Mm -hmm. ground just to get myself back into my body because for sure, like meditation and practices are amazing. I highly recommend them. And we also sometimes need things like on the run. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And so my on the run things tend to be the ones that I've just mentioned now. Yeah. Yeah. The movement type of things that Mm -hmm. keep doing Um, movement meditation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think self-compassion, yeah. Right. Like same as, and, and to me that can look like so many different things. It can look like all those self-care things, but it often involves me to having conversations with my brain mm-hmm. or having conversations with my nervous system yeah. or, you know, or, you know, my auto, my immune system. I sometimes have conversations with my immune system to see what's kind of going on there or the parts of myself. So I'll have conversations with my inner child or mm-hmm. the person who's, you know, scared to be doing this podcast right now, I have a little <laughs> conversation with her to, you know, get her to kind of sit in the corner and observe rather than run the show. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, there are always things that come up that, that cause us a little bit of fear and anxiety. And yeah. I think um, regardless of, of what, field we work in, if we work in a service field, helping other people at all. And if you're even a little bit of an empath, uh, you take on all of those things and we're always really good at providing care to everybody else and not so good at providing the care to ourselves. 
Yeah. Or, or even receiving care from other people. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think one of the trauma symptoms, you know, again, we think about trauma symptoms as being that fight or flight, those really obvious things, but it's also the more subtle things too, like people pleasing, perfectionism, not having boundaries, not ever being able, always having to be busy, never being able to quiet the mind down. Yeah. Some of those are trauma symptoms too, that, you know, some of which we get praised for doing, right? Exactly. There's a, a lot of positive feedback on those things. If you're going, mm-hmm. going all the time, if you're super productive, yeah, you just get yeah. built in praise for all the things that you're doing that are trauma responses. Yeah. Yeah. As well as people pleasing, right. You know, it feels good yep. to have everybody else rely on you some of the time. Right. Yeah. And so, but then it also comes with resentment <laughs> It does, because it's like, oh, but then that comes into the boundaries. Cause it's like, yeah, but you didn't tell anyone you were, you didn't want yeah. to, you're yeah. saying yes to everything. Right. Yep. Um, uh, Shonda Rhimes wrote a book once that was, uh, the, the year of yes. And mm. I listened to that one for a while. I don't know if you read that one at all. It's all, she was all about taking a year where she said yes to everything that would have scared her into saying no before. Yeah. And I think about that a lot when I think about, well, what about that year of no, when you find your boundaries mm-hmm. and you, you really put a stop to those things and you say no to all the things you would have say, said yes to before, because you yeah. need to take that space for yourself. Yeah. And one of the things I find really helpful for me, because I do feel like my brain just says yes, and it yes falls out of my mouth. Yeah, I've been really practicing the pause. Mm-hmm. So pausing, because I, I would say that urgency is one of my trauma symptoms as well. This need to like respond to everybody right away in case they're disappointed that I'm yes. not their go-to person. <laughs> I'm working on that. Um, and so I'm really working on, you know, not the year of yes or the year of no, but the yeah. year of maybe pause and maybe. Yeah. Right. To just take a moment to really ask myself, do I want to really do this? Or is my mind and my body just so used to saying yes, that I don't even, but it's funny because I feel like it's the year of yes to all everyone else's needs, but it's always the year of no, when it comes to like anything fun and spontaneous. Right. (laughs) And even as we're talking, like, I'm aware that that's some of my trauma programming too. Right. (laughs) Oh, I have trouble with spontaneity. Um, my family always laughs at me when we take vacations. I have a binder with everything mm-hmm. that's like planned out in it. And our last family trip that we did, my boyfriend kind of planned it and I didn't have, uh, I, I told him I was okay with that. And inside I was like, like falling apart but everything went just fine. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think this comes to this parts work, this internal family systems, which is another therapy technique we do, which is there's a part of you who really wants that binder, who makes it, makes it feel really, really safe (laughs) for you to have that. And then there's the older, wiser, present self Mandy that knows she could do it without, but there's still that other part that's chattering at you. Yeah. The whole time thinking, well, if I had the binder, this would be going better. Or if I brought the binder, I would feel like I was in control. And so I try to really pay attention to those parts of myself that are really trying to protect me as well, but might not actually be serving me in the best good either. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm glad that I've had two really good experiences now without the binder Mm -hmm. because I'm learning that I I can live without it and the world's not going to fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. And you're sort of telling your younger self who needed it, like, look, we can do it without yes. taking the training wheels off. Right. <laughs> we have. And sometimes that's all it is. It's just taking those training wheels off and getting over yeah. some of those little baby steps. It's not going to be a, a huge over, overnight leap of faith into something new. Trauma didn't have it happen overnight. It took years yeah. to get to the place we are. It's going to take some time to get yeah. out of it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I don't want you to throw the training wheels away either. It's like, so we can take the training wheels off. We don't have to throw them away. So I think it's nice for us to safely know we can put them back on if we need to. Very rarely do we ever have to do that, but it's nice to know they're there. Right. Because I think, you know, the thing about trauma is that it wasn't safe. And so whatever you're doing to kind of heal your brain, body, mind, spirit, mm-hmm. it's about, can we do this safely? And I think this is one of the mistakes people make too is, and I know I've been guilty of this, like in the midst of my autoimmune, it's like, I'm going to go for this therapy and that therapy and acupuncture. And, and I'm going to go for biofeedback and I'm going to go to a naturopath. <laughs> and suddenly I have no idea what is helping, what is harming and what's actually just overwhelming me Yeah, because suddenly I'm running from thing to thing to thing. And so I think the key more than anything is to proceed with caution and to do it safely, take a breath, take a pause, have a conversation with your brain about it's okay, you know, because it's trying to pull in everything that it can possibly think of. And the body's saying, no, 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 no. I need to digest this a little slower. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a concept taking that time and and that step Mm -hmm. back Mm -hmm. and then forgiving yourself when you don't, because none of us get it right all the time. We are human after all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think we forget that part too, um, to give ourselves the same grace we would anybody else. Yeah. And I think, you know, also just that, you know, when we're not, constantly working on ourselves, that's okay too. <laughs> Cause I think we go on these quests of self-improvement a lot of the time. And it's okay yeah. to say, I don't need to go to the next course, the next professional that like, it's okay to pause, even if it's just for a day or two Yeah, without chasing the next thing. Right. Be present, mm-hmm. be there with what you're working on at the yeah. moment. Which mm-hmm. is, I think what illness gives us, like, I'm thinking about what you're doing with brain health and things like, yeah. you know, concussions, you have to stop. Yes. You know, like there's all sorts of these things that become a healing crisis for us because we are forced to stop. And it's much nicer if we can pump the brakes before we, before we actually get into collision mode. Right. Yeah. Yep. And I can say from my practice day in and day out, it's, we're always in that response mode. Uh, People come in, in their worst times of health, they come in with a stroke or concussion or, or some sort of other injury. Um, surprise too. We have, a, there's a tumor in the brain that all of these things can shock people. And it really brings them back to right here, right now. What can I do to make this space better? Yeah. And we don't often take that time to heal until we're forced to, mm-hmm. but when we do, then we can take stock in everything that we're doing. And, and is this serving me or is this not serving me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think as professionals and caregivers, it's important that our job is also to be the ambassadors of hope. Yeah. Because you've seen enough people, Mandy, that you know, this, this can be overcome, right? That people still have beautiful quality of life after stroke, you know, quality of life after concussion, but it never feels like it in the moment. So I think it's our jobs also to, to really inject hope for people that we see lots of people on the other side of this as well. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, every time I see a patient that has a stroke, I used to do outpatient clinic as well. So I w- always tell them, I'm like, you know, I can tell you from my experience that everybody that has a stroke gets better. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how fast or how much, but everyone gets better. And that's always this, this little ray of hope that, that people see then. And it's not always going to be as bad as it is right at this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
And even with little things, it doesn't have to be as big as a stroke. It can be these little day to day when we have our little mini meltdowns Mm -hmm. and it's not always going to be like this. Yeah. I think any of those things that stop us though, like I think most people I've done counseling with concussions as well. It's, it shatters our worldview. It's like, but I can't, what if I can't do and be the person that I, that I believed I was, what if I can't find the new me within this? Right. Mm -hmm. And yet most people take the most beautiful parts of the old them integrate all the lessons of the new and become like even a more amazing human being on the face of the planet. Agreed. Agreed. And I see it all the time. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure you do as well. I do as well. Yeah. But it's so hard to believe that. And I've been guilty of that too, at the beginning of my own healing journeys being like, technically, like mentally, yes, I know all the theories that say this is going to be okay. It doesn't feel okay. It does not. It does not. And that's the part where we need to be okay with not being okay. Mm -hmm. Because you need to sit with that for a little bit before you can move on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure we can go on and on and on. I just looked at the time. I should probably start wrapping it up a little bit. Uh, What kind of things are you up to that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah. So at the moment I have a trauma recovery method course that looks at really coming in and learning how to be grounded and how to approach that through an analysis cognitively through what has happened to us, but also through bodily symptoms, um, including some of my own Reiki practice. So it really is sort of a mind body spirit course through that trauma recovery. I've got a mindfulness through the senses course. I've got a whole bunch of EFT tapping courses come out. I think uh, tapping for when we are sad is coming out here in the next 24 hours or so. And so um, there's lots of coursework that I'm doing. I'm also constantly putting little tidbits on social media for people. So I'm on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram at Illuminated Path Counseling. And I'm in Canada, so I should say that it's spelled the British way. So counseling with two L's, not one. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, and I just, and I just want to spread little tidbits in the world in terms of what I've learned both professionally and personally. Like there's nothing that I'm not speaking to that I haven't done myself. So, and I think that that works, that goes, uh, speaks for itself. Uh, that when you can do something and you have it from experience, it's so much more uh, illuminating <laughs> for yeah. everybody else, right? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. you've been there, you've done it, you know how it can help. Uh, so you can speak to it from experience. Yeah. 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 And it's also okay. okay if, you know, other people try the same thing and say, that doesn't work for me, then find out what works for you. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, there's so many, we're in such an exciting age where there's just so many solutions to the same problem and you can come at it from so many different directions. Yeah. As I think has popped up in my last couple of interviews, it's, there's no cookie cutter approach to any of no. this. If it, if one thing doesn't work, try something else. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. And I was going to ask where can people find you? So thank you for adding that in there. I'll add those uh, little connections into the show notes so that people can find you easily. Any last uh, pieces of information that you want to share our, with our listeners on our way out here? Oh, I think I would just reiterate our whole conversation just about slow down and come at this from self-compassion because every single one of us thinks we're broken. And I also truly believe nobody is broken. (laughs) And so I know that place and it's just about slowing down and have self-compassion for where we are Mm -hmm. because there's light at the end of the tunnel and it's, it's glorious back out in the light. So keep going. (laughs) Very good. Very good words to end on. Thank you so much, Michelle. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Mandy. 
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brain Wellness, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to subscribe, like, and share this with others to help me continue on with my mission to help people live healthier, happier lives. Go to www.brainwellnesssolutions.com to see what I'm up to and get links to all the social medias there. See you next time.